Keep on your mark, get set. And the pistol went off. And the race was on. A fine athlete sprang into the lead, and when the race was over, he had broken the state record. Only a few others runners even finished the race. Many dropped out when they saw that they could not win. As a field crew was bringing out the hurdles for the next race, one of the judges yelled, Get those hurdles out of the way. The race is not over yet. Look. And around the turn came a runner, panting, staggering. The crowd stood in silent disbelief as he made his way over that last hundred yards and literally fell across the finish line, hitting his face on the track. One of the judges ran to the boy, turned him over on his back, took out a handkerchief and wiped the blood from the boy's face. The judge asked, son, why didn't you drop out of the race? Why are you running this mile race anyway? Between the gaps of air, the boy explained that his school had a good miler who had just gotten sick days before the meet. The team had promised that they would have a man in every event. And so the coach had asked this boy to run the mile. Well, son, why didn't you just drop out when you saw that you had lost? And the boy answered, Judge, they didn't send me here to quit. They didn't send me here to win. They sent me here to run the mall, and that's what I'm going to do. Church, far too many people today stop doing what they know God put them on this earth to do long before they accomplish their task. All too often, what should be a natural expression of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is sadly missing today. Many different studies that have been done in recent years have compared the lives of those who say that they truly believe in Jesus and those who don't believe in Jesus. And the conclusion is that there is relatively little difference between the two. The late Charles Colson once said that there was a time when believers in God told the world to stop sinning. Unfortunately, now, sometimes it's the world telling the church to stop sinning. Church, that's you and I. Our lives as believers should be a whole lot different than the way the rest of the world is living because we have God, the Holy Spirit, living in us and through us. And as we read Scripture, we can see that one of the responsibilities that the Holy Spirit has is that He molds us and He shapes us in order for us to produce good fruit. The fruit of the Spirit that is produced in us and through us speaks of what is happening on the inside of us. But Jesus said over in Matthew chapter 15, but what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. Francis Chan once asked the question, what trait in other people do you dislike the most? And the most common response he received to this question was the word unfaithfulness. 
unfaithfulness. So when we say that we're a follower of Jesus, we better be demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit that are mentioned in Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23. In other words, if you are a believer, a Christian, or whatever you want to call yourself today, then you have a you have God the Holy Spirit inside of you right now working to produce the fruits that we see there in verses 22 of 23 of Galatians 5. So let's see what those are in Galatians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to begin reading before verse 22. We're going to be reading in verse 13 together. Galatians chapter 5. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you who are not to do whatever you want. Jump to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, keep kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. What does it mean to be faithful? If you remember on February 24th when we did, I talked about vision and mission of the church and in our own lives, I asked the question, what three things do you want people to remember about you? And I said last week that one of the things I wanted people to remember me when my time on this earth is done was that I would be a man of prayer. The second thing I would want people to remember me that I was faithful to the end. <coughs> that I was faithful to the end. In verse 22, we see the fruit of faithfulness. And I would encourage us to circle it or highlight that if it's not already in your Bible, that word faithfulness. In the Greek, faithfulness is the word pistis which is translated in several different ways in the New Testament. Sometimes we see it translated as the word faith. At other times it's translated to the word faithful. At other times, like here, it's translated in faithfulness. In Psalms 105, it says, For the Lord is good, His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And if we allow God the Holy Spirit to work within us, then the fruit of faithfulness will be real and evident in our lives. 
And the more we surrender to his guidance, the less uncertain we become, the less vulnerable to discouragement and temptation we become. And as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, others will find us trustworthiness. We will be staying in the power through both good and bad times that we face in this life. So maybe before we go any farther, we need to know what faithfulness is. So we're talking, we're thinking about the same thing. If we're in divine faithfulness, as Paul uses it here in Galatians 5, how would you describe it? How would you define it? If we were to look at the dictionary, we would find a definition that says this, to follow through with a commitment regardless of difficulty. That's a pretty good definition. One of our general superintendents recently said, faithfulness means you stick to a commitment after the shine wears off. Faithfulness means you keep saying no a thousand times if you must to the temptation of cutting a corner or taking the easy way out. Faithfulness means you refuse to jump ship even when the waves of adversary are splashing over the decks in your marriage, in your relationship with your children, your relationship with others. Faithfulness means you stay true to your relationship with Jesus Christ no matter the cost. It is for you. A former pastor of mine that I grew up with said, faithfulness is love hanging on. It is love saying, I will not quit. There may be misunderstandings, there may be disappointments, there may be discouragements, but I will not quit. It is love hanging on. If a husband says to us, I really love my wife. And then he goes out into the world and has an affair with somebody, we would probably call him a liar. We'd probably call him a cheat along with a few other words we might call him. But we would also say that he is unfaithful because that is what he has been. And no matter how strong his arguments may be, no matter how much he might say he loves his wife, it would be very difficult to believe him because of his unfaithfulness contradicts his proclamation of his love to his wife. Or if someone says to us, oh, I really love God, or I really love his church, and then they are unfaithful to God, they're unfaithful in their attendance to the church, then it's sure hard to believe that they really love God and love the church. Because you see, faithfulness and love always go hand in hand. Faithfulness is love hanging on. Yes, we're going to get discouraged. Yes, we might be disappointed. But faithfulness says, even though there's discouragement and disappointment, I will not let go. I will not quit. I will keep on attending. I will keep on giving. I will keep on serving because God has called me to be faithful. All through the New Testament, there are scriptures and that challenges us to be faithful. In Revelation chapter 17, it says that we are to be faithful in following the Lord. In 3 John, it says we are to be faithful to the truth. In Revelation 13, it talks about faithfulness, even times of persecution. In Revelation 2, it says we are to be faithful unto death. And then we will receive the crown of life. In 1 Corinthians 4, it talks about being faithful 
in stewardship. In Ephesians 6, it talks about being faithful in service. In 1 Timothy, it speaks of being faithful in our marriage. In Romans 12, it says we are to be faithful in prayer. When we look at the ministry and life of Jesus, we see time and time again of his faithfulness to the mission that he was called to by his Father. In Matthew chapter 16, we see Jesus. He brings his disciples together and he tells them that he's going to make his way to Jerusalem. And he tells them that he's going to be arrested. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be beaten. He says, I'm going to go anyway. And we see there in Matthew chapter 16, verse 22. Peter tries to stop him. And he says, no, Lord, never. These things that you are saying, they will never happen to you. And Jesus says these words. Get behind me, Satan. I don't know about you, but that's some pretty harsh words to tell somebody. Get behind me, Satan. But the reason that he, Jesus calls Peter Satan is because Satan was using Peter to try and get Jesus to quit, to be unfaithful in his mission. And all throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, we see where Satan tries to tempt Jesus to be unfaithful time and time again. It's almost like he's saying, Jesus, you don't need to go to the cross. You don't need to die for their sins. Just quit, Jesus. It's going to be too tough. It's going to be too hard. There's too many obstacles. There's too many difficulties. Just turn around. Go back to heaven. And yet throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, we see Jesus. He sets his face steadfastly towards Jerusalem. For Jesus was determined that no matter what happened, he would be faithful to the mission that God had called him to. So even though he knows what's ahead, he goes to Jerusalem. And even while he's hanging on the cross, some of the people that are below him are mocking him and saying, if you're really the son of God, come down off the cross. And Satan is saying then too, Jesus, just quit. Just come on down. It's not worth it. The pain is too intense. These people, the people in 2018, they're not going to care anyway. Just quit. But Jesus continued to hang on there until he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. And then Jesus speaks his last words on the cross. Father, entrust my spirit into your hands. I don't know about you, but that's faithfulness to me. That's faithfulness unto death. And the faithfulness of Jesus has inspired the faithfulness of others down through the years. Those who hung in there, those through the good times and the bad times, through the times of plenty, the times of want. A cool wind blew across the grass, making a soft rustling sound. The sun had set for its last dying rays over the horizon and has steeped aside to make place for the silent darkness that now covered the land. The stillness was so deep that it seemed to fill the air with a peaceful melody. No cars or screams or machinery disturbed the silence. 
with soft footprints. A faithful missionary wandered through the deep grass. He loved this time right after death when the world was slowly going to sleep. And he could spend time alone with the Lord. His steps were directed to three small dirt mounds in the ground. Three children that he had buried there. His children. Gone. Even before they could even call him daddy. Even before he could feel their little arms around his neck. And in the morning, a fourth mound would be added. The missionary lifted his face towards heaven. His eyes were not bitter. His mouth did not utter words of accusation. This was the price he had to pay. This was the price he had to pay as the missionary. Was it worth it? If Harmon F. Smelzenbach was able to stand before us this morning, he would say, yes, it was all worth it. Harmon is not able to be here this morning because that fourth mound, that fourth mound of dirt that was soon added was for him. He died very shortly after making that trip. And there are people here this morning sitting in front of us, sitting in behind us who have been a part of this local church before it was even the Nazarene church, when it was called Mark's Mission. For there are those who have been here through thick and thin in years who have sacrificed, when honestly they would have every reason to start attending somewhere else in town, in another town. And I'm sure there must have been days in this church that they wanted to quit and they were tempted to say, Church, I'm sorry. It's a big job to stay here. But people have stayed here. Not on their own merits. But because God has called them to be faithful in this local church. And today we can gather here this morning because people have been faithful when God asked them to be faithful. Are we being faithful to God today? So the question we must ask ourselves, how do we develop this kind of faithfulness? Someone once said, in order to ask the question, how do we de develop faithfulness, we need to understand something about a cherry tree. A cherry tree doesn't stand in the orchard saying, now how do I develop cherries on myself? For a cherry tree develops cherry because that's what a cherry tree is supposed to do. And when we accept Jesus into our hearts and into our lives, we become a branch that's connected to the vine. And in John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So when we are connected to the vine, then we're going to produce the right kind of fruit because that's the natural thing for you and I to do. We don't have to sit around and think about it. We don't have to have a meeting to discuss it. It happens because we're connected to the right vine, Jesus. But if we're connected to the wrong vine, 
connected to the vine of the world, then the fruit that we're going to be producing is not the right kind of fruit that God wants us to do. Paul talks about it there in Galatians 5. He says, the acts of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envies, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. If we're producing that kind of fruit, we will not inherit the kingdom of God, church. So the first thing we need to know, how we develop faithfulness, we need to know that temptations are going to come to us just like they came to Jesus when he was here on the earth. Remember what Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was tempted to be unfaithful to his father's call by Satan. We too will be tempted to be unfaithful in many areas of our lives, in, in our marriages, in our jobs, in our finances, in our relationships with God, and in the relationship with his church. This is what Satan tries to do. He tries to tempt us any way he can for us to be unfaithful. Second thing we must have as we develop faithfulness is that we seek the Holy Spirit's guidance. His wisdom, his direction, his conviction to help us to develop regular, positive, and spiritual practices. For Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, we are cracked and chipped from our afflictions on, on all sides, but we are not crushed by them. We are bewildered at times, but we do not give in to despair. We are persecuted, but we have not been abandoned. We have been knocked down, but we are not destroyed. So we have no reason to despair, despite the fact that our outer humanity is falling apart and decaying. Our interhumanity is breathing in new life every day. And since we are being pressed on every side to develop negative habits and tempting us to be unfaithful in church attendance, in being unfaithful in prayer, being unfaithful in studying God's word in the other areas of our lives, we need to learn and know what Jesus says. In Mark chapter 8, he says, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And we need to be determined to serve God faithfully then people around us will be able to count on us. Then they will be able to know us as being trustworthy and reliable and consistent. And when we develop these practices, they will soon come automatically to us. And when Satan tries to tempt us, we will not be severely tempted because we've developed the habits of faithfulness. And we will not quit. Finally, we need to get back up when we fall. Or we're knocked down. If Thomas Edison had believed in failure, then we would be still living by candlelight today. If Henry Ford had given up, we would have all rode a horse to church today. If Alexander Graham Bell had given in to the clutches of failures, we wouldn't have our cell phones that we live by today. In the life of Peter, we see a man who didn't always do or say the right thing at the right time. 
So maybe I see myself a lot in Peter. And we see there in Matthew chapter 26, and Peter denies Jesus, not just once, not twice, but we see him denying him three times. And then we see Peter that he weeps bitterly because of what he's done. But every time Peter falls down, he gets back up. And so when it came time to choose someone to, the pre to preach the first gospel message on that day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, guess who was chosen? It wasn't Andrew. It wasn't Matthew. It wasn't John the Beloved. It was Peter. Because Peter's the one who had had the experience of being down and getting back up again. He had been made many mistakes in his life. And these people that were gathered in that upper room that day needed to hear his words that day. They needed to hear how vulnerable he had been, and despite all of that, that God was able to work through him by the Holy Spirit. The same is true of Saul, who becomes Paul. How he experienced all kinds of persecution, all kinds of discouragement, all kinds of temptation. But he never gave up. He never gave up. For then that glorious day when Paul writes these words, in Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, The time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. You see, regardless of what comes in our future, our preparation for those uncertainties begin with being committed to the way we should be living today. In his book, Talking to My Father, Ray Stedman tells the story of a missionary couple who served many years ago. They eventually returned to the United States and their health is now fading away and they have no money. Zero dollars on them or in the bank. And as they were coming back to the United States, they were on the same ship that President Teddy Roosevelt had been on. And he was out from coming back from a big game hunt that he had been a part of. And the, the ship docked there in New York Harbor. And the president received an exceptional homecoming. And the missionary work that this couple had done was much more significant than a big game hunt. But no one greeted those missionaries that day. And the missionary man told his wife how he felt overlooked. And when they got to their hotel room that somebody had bought for them, she encouraged him to go sit on the bed and talk to Jesus about it. And after a while he came and he had a different attitude about the whole thing that had just happened. He said, Jesus settled it with me by showing me that we're not home yet. And that that too would be an experience of a homecoming one day. It wouldn't be crowds who greeted them as they arrive in heaven. When they get to heaven, Jesus himself is going to greet them. Because they have been faithful to the call that God had placed onto them years before. And when we simply do our best, 
to faithfully serve God right where we are. Our efforts can accomplish more than we can dare or ask or imagine. Maybe you remember March 3rd, 1972. There was a launch of Pioneer 10. Pioneer 10 was intended to photograph Jupiter and send the images back to Earth. But it went farther than it was supposed to go. It went past Saturn. It went past Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Almost 4 billion miles past Jupiter, where it was supposed to be. And Pioneer 10 continued to operate even then. And it was still going 25 years after it was launched on that date. And at that point, it was 6 billion miles from the sun. And it was still sending back signals to the earth. According to Leon Jarif of Time Magazine, those signals radiated from an 8-watt transmitter transmitter which was about as much power as a nightlight. Pioneer 10 was more faithful to the mission than anyone ever dreamed of for when she was launched. This tiny craft kept doing what she was designed to do. I hope, I pray, the same same can be said about us too today, that we will simply be faithful to do what God God has designed for us to do that we may serve Him. May all who come behind us find us faithful. I remember years ago we made a trip up to the snow and I'm making the path for the boys to follow me. And what do they do? They stepped where I stepped. Each step. May my boys, may our children, may our grandchildren, may our nieces, may our nephews, may our friends, our neighbors find us faithful in serving God. Because one of these days we won't be sitting here. The next generation and the next generation will be sitting in our place if they find us faithful. If they don't find us faithful, the doors of the church will close and the property will be sold for someone else. If people don't find us faithful to God, God, may we be faithful. Let's pray. Father,